So it has come to my attention that I have forgotten to tell you a really, really, really juicy story that should have been told to you last week. And I don't know for the life of me why, like this was such a big story. I don't know why it just slipped my mind. Maybe because I had other things that were also uh, pretty important to share with you in last week's episode, but it's been weighing on me since then. So I want to tell you a little story about my first official night in this new place that I'm living in. Um, Not our actual new home, but the city that we are now living in. I I, I want to tell you a little ditty about the manhunt that that occurred just for funsies, just because I need an outlet. And because I feel like I tell you all of the good stories. Like I told you about the alligators, told you about the scorpions. Fuck's sake, I told you about my deodorant journey, okay? That I, I, for, it's kind of still on, kind of still on. So yeah, I got to tell you about the manhunt and then we'll get into the episode. So if you want to kick it with me, so I, I tell this story first, or, you know, you could just fast forward if, if you don't like the personal stories, but I think the majority of you who have taken the time to listen, you love these little ditties. You love them because they're what I get a lot of DMs about. So let's get into it. Okay, so we had, at this point, found our new home, uh, moved our stuff in, and we still had the Airbnb in the same city, literally down the street, okay, down the street, like seven blocks away, but on the same street as our new home is where our Airbnb was, which we got temporarily when we came home from Mexico because we weren't sure you know, how quickly we were going to find a new home. And needless to say, we moved everything in and we were slowly trying to get situated and unpacking. And I chose, I I don't know, this was like a weekday. I chose to want to sleep in the Airbnb and because it was too chaotic in our new place and we hadn't had enough time to like organize anything yet. And so Phil wanted to stay late at the new home, getting some stuff unpacked and situated so we could get in there permanently sooner rather than later. So I went back to the Airbnb. He was hanging out at the new place just for a few hours and then he was gonna come back to me. Well, it's around 10.30 at night and I'm thinking, okay, wait, he has to walk back like seven blocks. So let me just see where he's at and like how late he's going to be. Because mind you, I also was thinking I would like to go to bed soon. And if he walks in, I'm a light sleeper and I spook easily. That's going to wake me up in not a good way. So I around 1030 send him a text and I'm like, hey, are you coming back anytime soon? And his response to me (laughs) was, lock the door right now, right now. And I'm thinking, first of all, I have no idea, like, did he duplicate the text accidentally? You know, like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I'm thinking, 
Well, for, what, what do you mean? The door's fucking locked. Like, why are you telling me to lock the door? Like, that's a weird thing to say right now. I'm gonna lock the door when I'm in a city and I'm alone in the Airbnb. But I don't say that because I'm just kind of like, whatever, the door's locked. And within five minutes, I hear the gate open. I see him at the door. I open the door and he looks so terrified and comes in, shuts and locks the front door with all the chains on it. And he goes, something really serious is going on outside. And I'm like, what? And he goes, well, I'm walking back and he goes, I look up and I see a police helicopter with a searchlight. And he goes, that's some LAPD shit. You don't see that here where we are. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, first of all, I've never lived here. I've lived out in the country where like when shit goes down, um, you don't really know about it. A lot of shit goes down the country. It's just like there's open fields and drug trafficking happening. <laughs> you don't know if there's drug trafficking happening because you're paying attention to the birds chirping and the cows mooing. But in the city, you're all congested together and yeah, you're always going to know something's going down. So uh, he's like, yeah, you don't see that shit around here. And I'm like, oh okay and now I'm getting the like because he's usually calm cool and collected so now I'm getting the sense of like oh okay he's like a little spooked by this so I should probably be too kind of thing even though I still don't fully understand what's going on so he continues to explain to me he sees this helicopter with a searchlight and he's walking back and so he gets his phone out and starts filming because he's kind of like well that's kind of weird and then he takes a turn. He's about two blocks from our Airbnb. He takes a turn and he sees a whole bunch of undercover cops, cars and cops out on the street on their hands and knees with flashlights searching under cars. And that's when he was like, well, shit, man, something serious is going on. They're looking for someone, and clearly that somebody is nearby and dangerous with this many cops around. He's telling me the EMS trucks are going by, SWAT, undercovers, the whole nine yards. So now he starts, and mind you, he was carrying his like book bag and like a, a carry-on rolly suitcase because he was bringing some stuff back. Or he was bringing, I think he was bringing the empty suitcase back to like load up some of the stuff from Airbnb, whatever, it doesn't matter. But he, he, that's what he had in his hand. So he starts running and he's only like two blocks away. He starts running. He sees all these cops on their hands and knees and now he's in a full panic because he's kind of like, um, like, I don't know where this person is. They clearly do not know where he is, but he's somewhere around here. And this is just like not good because I'm the only person on the street other than the cops at this point, And it's very possible they might just turn on me. So he runs and he gets to the Airbnb. And then that's where then he's like, something's going on. And I don't know what it is, but it's literally right outside our door. So I Google, because <laughs> I Google everything. I Google police scanner like in our city and I get a live feed of the police scanner, which I don't know when I was telling this story to my brother and sister-in-law, they were like, you can pull up a police scanner like that. And I was like, yeah, I don't I, listen. I, the shit I find when I Google 
blows people's minds sometimes. I didn't know people didn't know you could pull up a live feed of a police scanner, but you can. It's there for the public, by the way. And no, it's not the Citizen app, whereas like everybody, when I told them this story, was like, you should probably get the Citizen app. Google it if you don't know what it is. All I can tell you is that would make me a very paranoid person. I'd never want to leave my house. So I'm not getting that app. I did pull up the police scanner. I call Phil into the room. He grabs a butcher knife from the kitchen. <laughs> he comes in the bedroom. This is the tiniest Airbnb ever, mind you. And we're at street level because like it's like a brownstone situation. Okay. Think Carrie Bradshaw, Sex in the City. She goes up the stairs to her. We were the the street level entrance where almost like your windows are at street level, okay? Kind of like basement windows, but not really. That's where Airbnb, Airbnb was. So I don't necessarily feel safe at that level in a city, especially when there's like a manhunt going on. Let's pull up the, the thing. He brings the butcher knife in. We shut the bedroom door. Now this Airbnb has like a backyard too. So now he's peering out. It's It's fenced in, but he's peering out because if someone's going to hide, where do you think they're going to hide, right? They're going to try to enter or they're going to go in the back, whatever. So I'm listening to this police scanner and he lays next to me and they're saying street names like over their intercoms. So he's on his phone on the on Google Maps and he's typing in the street names and it, and it's popping up and it's like 500 feet away and he just looks at me and he's like, from us right now, am 500 feet away. And I'm like, you want me to be comfortable here? <laughs> like, now is not the time. This is not his fault, but like, now is not the time to like emphasize how scary this experience is gonna be living in a city. I grew up with cows across the street. There was no helicopter with a fucking searchlight looking for armed people. We find out over the police scanner that it was a carjacking like two towns away. The cops were chasing them, okay, but they lost them. However, the police helicopter from that town never lost them, followed them all the way to our town where they then ditched their car and went on foot. There was about four or five of them armed and they're they were literally arrested they found them that night but like this was hours of us laying there listening to a police scanner and and googling the street names they arrested them all in our little hood okay <laughs> like literally a block away from us two blocks away from us like found all of them and like what are the odds Literally, like, the day after we've officially moved in, no, we weren't staying in our new home. And all I'm thinking is, like, thank God our new apartment is, like, floors up. Like, we are not street level. It's, like, security is on point. There's gates around us. Like, just feels a little bit safer than being directly at street, especially for somebody who grew up and walked outside. And the most noise that I heard was a squirrel humping another squirrel. 
So that's one way to fucking jack up your nervous system. <laughs> like, like as a trauma abuse survivor, I'll speak on this, okay? Change, big change in our lives really impacts our nervous system. For me specifically, I've paid attention over the years and I've really honed in lately because there's been so many big changes in my life in the last year, right? And you all have been with me through them. Let's just take me moving out of my home that I was in, I don't know, like five or six years. I can't even remember how long I was in that apartment with Dewey and then with Phil. And so moving out, packing everything up, and then moving to another country for two months, okay? Incredible life-changing experience. Wouldn't change it for the world. But the sudden onset of that drastic change shakes your foundation that you've come to know because for a trauma and abuse survivor, we don't necessarily easily adapt to like new places or new people very quickly. And although I was going to be with my partner who I love and trust, right, and feel safe with, the change in the environment meant I couldn't return to my safety net, right? I couldn't return to my home. I couldn't return to familiarity. And then literally like a month in one place, a month in another place, and then returning not to your home. Most people go on a trip and come back to a home. And we weren't doing that. We were coming home to another temporary home to then find a permanent home. That's a lot of change. Now, for somebody whose nervous system is way more regulated and functioning in a healthy way, that's that's pretty easy to adapt to. But somebody like me whose nervous system is easily triggered and, you know, pretty traumatized, it doesn't matter how much work you've done. You have to be clued into what activates it. And I know when there's a big thing coming up, like it's Phil's and my one year next week, okay? And that for me is a big deal. That's a bit, I mean, it's a big deal for both of us, but like that's a big event for me. And when something really big that's good is happening, that is a trigger for me. And so what I can do, like a lot of trauma survivors, is create conflict and create a problem. And so I've had to kind of like hone in on that trigger for myself and be extremely mindful of like when I'm approaching something that's going to do that for me and and be very intentional with my words and my actions because I can unconsciously default to just stirring shit up to make my nervous system feel way more comfortable about the sudden thing that's happening, the sudden good thing or the sudden change or whatever. So anyway, yeah, all of that change and then way to welcome me in and my 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 brother and sister-in-law were like, geez, like only you, Aim, only you would return to a new place and have like, they're like, things like that don't normally happen around here. Because like my brother and sister-in-law now, where where we permanently live, they live literally seven minutes away from us. I can just hop in the car and be right there to see them and Lucas, which is amazing. And I love that. But they're like, they've lived here for a long time. And, and Phil's lived here before many times. So they're all like, yeah, shit like that doesn't normally happen around here. But of course... 
welcome to this new city. Uh, you now, like, that. what a welcoming that was for me. So if that's as bad as it could get, right? <laughs> this, is, this is my reframe. Okay. If that's how bad as, as bad as it can get in terms of just like the fear of, uh, then I'm good. I'm good. I've survived it. I said to Phil the next day, and I have to say he has the best outlook sometimes that shocks the shit out of me. Because I go, I don't even, I'm a little nervous, even though it's daylight to like walk outside now knowing what just occurred out here. I go, how do you just like do that because his plan was to like go back the next day and stay late again and then walk home and i'm literally like why would you do that again like why would you replicate that whole thing again he goes you can't do that to yourself he's like it's a different day and so a little wisdom from philip to you guys it's a different day now he's not a trauma or abuse survivor so i can speak to you guys myself as one we don't, our, our body remembers. So when there's something traumatizing or re-traumatizing for us, like when you have trauma in your system, it's not a different day because your, your body recalls something confusingly similar as being the same. And so you play it out the same in your head. But somebody who has a healthy nervous system like Phil is able to look at things and distinguish different day. Now, as somebody who's worked on her trauma for countless years and continues to, I will say that's an amazing mindset to have. And in many ways where I'm able to, I'm trying to adopt that mindset because I think it's incredibly, incredibly healthy. Uh, But I also have to validate, and this is a key takeaway for you guys, I have to validate as much as you do that like what works for one doesn't work for all. And I have to make those distinctions of like he hasn't had certain experiences as me. He has a very different nervous system than me. I can be easily triggered by things because of what I've been through. So I have to validate that and know that like I can't just be like Phil, right? Just like you guys can't just be like Amy, But you can pull what resonates, leave the rest, and apply it where is needed. So that's my story. That happened about, uh, I guess, a week or so ago at this point. I'm good. We are completely moved into our new home, still unpacking, still getting organized. I will say she is proud of herself. She pulled a home edit move and like really organized the bathrooms with like clear containers labeled feminine hygiene, oral hygiene, Phil's hair products, more of Phil's hair products, more and more and more of Phil's hair products all under the sink. It's so organized. I wanted to always be that person. I never took action to be that person. Now I am that person. I am proud and I te- I, I'm trying to find ways to organize better like that with my clothing. I have way too much. I'm definitely going through like a phase of like, listen, you wanna really learn how to purge, go to another country and live there for a couple months and then come home and realize how much shit you still have at home that you didn't need to survive over there. Like it's not just that for me, it's that on steroids for me because we lived in Mexico for two months And I had, you know, I had two suitcases full of clothes and came home to like eight more boxes of clothes that I'm like, 
well, I don't need any of these. <laughs> what are these? Like, part of it was like, oh, cool, here's this. But also, like, it's cool, but I don't really need you. I lived without you for two months. And then on top of that, like, I didn't just live in another country without you. I bounced around to an Airbnb and, like, was able to go between two homes and have an ample amount of clothes in the Airbnb from my suitcases and in the actual new home when I was unpacking. Like, I could have stayed in either place at any time and gotten fully dressed. That's that's almost, I am ashamed to admit that, but that is the truth. Like, that is how, and I and compared to other people, I don't even think I have that many clothes, but I have way too many clothes at this point for my life and, and my liking. So... I already got two boxes of donations. Still trying to organize this closet sitch um, and getting very jealous at Phil's closet organization skills. Like he has all wooden hangers and I'm like, you are bogarting the hangers. And he's like, these are mine. He's like, you can have some. (laughs) And I go, some of those are mine. And he's like, okay, you can have yours back. But these are my wooden hangers and I'm a wooden hanger man. He'll share anything else with me, even his clothes. Sometimes I wear his clothes, which again, uh, reinforces why I don't need so many clothes. Cause like I'll wear his button downs over things and whatnot, which is like cute. Uh, Just for those who are like questioning my style or commenting that my bra strap is hanging out and my reels, eat it. Uh, But I've got like plastic hangers, hangers that you you know, get when you buy clothes and they just give them to you at the store, some wooden hangers. And then I just bought like velvet hangers. And I'm like, the velvet hangers are amazing because they don't take up much space. The wooden hangers take up too much space. So yeah, just like organization like that, little things. But my office is kind of coming together, a little bit of a mess. We're getting situated. Enough of my yapping. Let's dig into the episode. Okay, so what I want to get into today is how our inability to meet our needs will impact our ability to stay balanced and regulated mentally and emotionally and therefore impact negatively the way we behave or think or perceive when we're interacting with other people. That was a bit of a tongue twister, but the the short version of this is when you don't take care of yourself, okay? And I'm not saying just like, oh, I showered and I slept and now I go to work. I mean, when you don't meet all of your needs, when you don't take space for yourself, when you don't sit down and just like decompress and turn off the phone for a second, turn off the work, turn off the computer, turn off the TV, be with yourself. If you don't take time for you to replenish what you give out into the world every day, that's going to affect how you behave, how you think, how you react, how you speak. It's going to impact your relationships negatively. Now, I don't want to put labels on individuals who fall short at times of tending to their own needs, but I will give some explanation as to what's happening with them. Number one, they can be caretakers, people pleasers, people who lack boundaries, personal boundaries with themselves, 
And they could just be individuals who have never had an example of giving back to themselves. And so they feel like it's selfish. They feel guilty doing it. And they're so honed in on what they need to do or provide for other people that it's really not even a conscious thought process that they need to give to themselves until it becomes a little too late or until they're backed into a corner and the spotlight is on that weak point, so to speak, and opens their eyes to realize like, oh shit, like this is not okay. Whereas then there's individuals, and I'll use myself as an example because I've clearly been through some things and had to learn the hard way multiple times, that like for me, these days, I I know I'm going to have missteps. I know I'm going to have miscommunications. I know I'm going to fall short sometimes because I'm human. And that's what happens. We don't prioritize things correctly all the time. We run out of time. We're a little lazy. We're a little too tired, whatever. And we miss the beat. And for me, what I've learned is like, I I can't. I can't when it comes to my needs, what I need to provide myself. There is no room for me to do that anymore. Like I just don't have a tolerance for myself doing that anymore because the what happens to me impacts my relationships, my day, my mental health so negatively that it's just not good. It's not good. So I it's it's a non-negotiable. That is what that word means and that is what I live by. It is a non-negotiable that every morning I get up now and I do yoga because I missed doing yoga this past weekend one day. One day because we were on a time crunch. We were having to commute about an hour to like move stuff back and forth between the apartment and our parents' homes. And I, I did, there was, unless I woke up at 3 a.m., I wasn't going to get yoga in before we needed to leave. There was just absolutely no space for me to do it. Could I have done it? Absolutely. Will I do it in the future? A hundred fucking percent I will. But in my mind at the time, it was like, this makes sense. There's no space. It's ridiculous to wake up at that hour. No, it's not. When what then transpires is hypersensitivity, hyperreactivity or heightened reactivity heightened emotions about everything. We'll put it that way. Heightened emotions about everything. No wiggle room mentally and emotionally to be able to like pause and think clearly, just like really went into a reactive state. And for me, that's what happens with my nervous system. When, again, when when we're going through a big change and that could be like the day of the big change or that could be weeks after the big change for me. I haven't really pinpointed the amount of time. But the moral of the story is I missed one morning of yoga. Now you're going to be like, Amy, that's some standards that the rest of us cannot live up to. And I'll say this, everybody looks different. Their needs look different. For me, and I can't give you a full understanding as to why that's the case, but I can say that When I am not spending my morning with myself before I go out into the world, the where I spiral down to is just so not good, not healthy, not safe, not balanced at all for me. I cannot risk going that way again. And I liken this to like an addict, okay? 
very different, but similar with respect to what I'm about to say. If you're an alcoholic and you're in recovery, then the last place that you're going to immediately go to is a place that is surrounded by alcohol and people drinking alcohol. Like they're going to recommend that you do not go to that place. Now, eventually you could be in a setting like that. Sure, some people can't, some people can, right? But rather quickly during your recovery, they're going to recommend you probably not be exposed to things that can bring that out in you or tempt you, okay? Now, this is where it's different, right? Because we're not talking about alcohol. We're not talking about a disease. We're not talking about a way of coping with things like that. What we are talking about is when I don't spend time giving back to me, and we have to, this is where it becomes a very individualized process, right? Speaking on behalf of myself, my career is supporting other people. Not only am I educated to do that and like certified to do that, but part of what is incorporated into my work is me giving back to myself and working on myself, working through my own stuff. That is why I have ways of explaining things that maybe other people don't have because I'm actively doing work on myself and I know firsthand what happens when you do X, Y, and Z versus A, B, and C, right? So... I have to designate time every day to do the work on myself and to invest time and energy into myself so that I am able to then sit in front of you or countless other people in one day and give to you and support you and help you navigate through what you're struggling with because not only am I just sitting there, it's not... It's not passive listening in those moments. It's active listening because I'm having to pinpoint patterns for you and explain things and provide guidance. So that's a lot of output, right? That's a lot of giving. That's a lot of focusing. That's a lot of energy investment going into just sitting in front of somebody on camera or on the phone and and giving them that time and that safe space. On top of that, I am emotionally invested because I empathize because I've been there. And I have immense compassion once more because I understand what you're struggling with because I've been there. Not just because I read it out of a book and I can maybe mentally grasp that that's hard for you. I've firsthand had experience with the bulk of what you're talking about. Not always the same context, but the same struggle. And so... I go back to a place at times internally, like emotionally and mentally, where I recall my own experience going through X, Y, and Z, just to be able to then communicate to you how to get from point A to point B. And you all know that if you've ever talked to me privately. You know that I will take myself back to a place where then I reiterate a story to you and I go, well, I've been there. And I have these like literally in the moment not because they're, I'm like consciously planning them out, because I'm empathizing and connecting with what you're saying so that the minute you bring up something, I am already internally 
tapping into the emotion that I once felt that's similar and the struggle I've once felt that was similar and coming up with an example to help you connect in your own life, okay? That was the most detailed explanation of what I do. But you could see how much mental and emotional energy goes into that, how much thinking and feeling and processing goes into you sitting in front of me and having a conversation. That's how a lot of people look at it, but that's the amount of work that's going into it behind the scenes and in real time. So when you factor all that in, then take me out of the work setting and into my real life. Now, by the way, while I'm telling you this detailed explanation of me, I don't care if you're thinking about me. What I want you to be doing is what I'm telling you I do when I sit in front of you. I want you to be hearing what I'm saying and reflecting on your own life and what you invest into who and how much and how often and make the connection in your own life because this is important in identifying what your needs are every day. Because I have a very clear understanding of what I give in my work, that then ripples out into my life, right? I am my work. Like it's literally a direct extension of me and the work I do on me and the life that I live which is why a lot of you are so connected to the messaging and the words that I share because I am so connected and it resonates, right? It's alignment. A lot of woo-woo words for you, but you're following. So in my personal life, then you could see because I am the same person in work or in personal relationships, when I, excuse the sounds in the background, I live in a city now, get used to it. Uh, I'm the same person. I stay consistent. And mind you, again, I am, I, I, it's an authentic extension of me in work and life. So I'm not like turning on a performance for you and then shutting it off. It's me having a conversation with you the same way I would have a conversation with other people. I'm just offering something that I might not offer to somebody in my personal life. But because I'm the same I'm going to empathize and have compassion no matter where I go and what I'm around, right? In other words, I'm, com- I'm very sensitive to what's going on with other people. I'm very tuned into it because that is what I've had to do in my own life and that is what I have to do in my work. And so that is obviously a priority and it's a prime focus point for me. So when I walk the streets of, let's say, a city and I see people or I hear sounds or I'm witnessing conversations or whatever... I'm feeling for them, right? That's what a lot of people like to blanket the word empath around. But the truth is, is I'm very sensitive. Now, why am I so sensitive? Because I grew up in a codependent, people-pleasing household, and I had to do that to survive. Like, my sensitivity came from that experience, like the rest of you. You know, some of you also are neurodivergent, and therefore, pardon me if I don't properly pronounce words. I Somebody criticized me the other day about how I say things. I got an, a Jersey accent, okay? That's how I say shit. I think the word was all, all bite. All bite. And someone was like, I don't think that's how it's said. And I go, well, listen, I say it almost on every caption and podcast. Nobody has corrected me yet, so we're going to say it's all bite. A-L-B-E-I-T. I don't know. We could Google it and Google voice it and see what they say. But who, like, why is Google the the deciding factor on how we pronounce it? <laughs> anyway, back to my story. I'm, I'm feeling everything wherever I go because that's just who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. If I have an argument with someone in my personal life, 
I probably feel it on a level that like they might not feel it because of who I am and what I do. And therefore, not only that, let's factor in the fact that like I've been through trauma, I've been through all forms of abuse, okay? My nervous system is a little shot. And therefore, I have to overcompensate in other ways to just get it to a place that's like healthy and sustainable and balanced and regulated. And I have to learn tools and then I teach those tools, right? And I have to know what works for me and then how to communicate, get the point. So I have to put in a lot of extra work on myself just to A, be able to do what I do, but B, to function in this world. It's hard work being Amy, okay? Now, that's obviously my explanation and my self-perception of myself based on what I lived through and what I have come to learn that I need. So if I don't designate a solid hour, 90 minutes or so in the morning, and that's minimum for myself, then I'm fucked. I've set myself up for failure. Not only is my nervous system not necessarily going to be balanced and like regulated and in a place where it's not super sensitive and reactive and 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 getting like triggered by everything, but then my mind is not in a good place. And so I'm looking for comfort and stability and safety in external things around me, which yes, these days in my life I can find, but because my nervous system is overactive, I don't always see things clearly in my personal life and label them safe. It's very easy for me to get triggered and go to a place where something that's actually safe looks unsafe, hence my posts about trauma survivors and like how we self-sabotage healthy shit, okay? Read it on my Instagram. So because all of that is compiled in, I, I have to. Like it's I've said this to clients throughout my 10 years or so of work. It's life or death for me. If I don't take that time every day, like I I just can't live. I can't function. I can't survive. I can't have a healthy conversation. I'm crying. I'm reactive. So I'm worth that time in the morning. Like I don't, I don't care who, who needs me or who's pulling at me. Like I will commit to things that are important And then I will make sure to fit in that time for me. You're welcome for that entire explanation because now what I want you to do is like, if you weren't actively listening, I want you to replay that piece. It's about 16 minutes or so long. The reason I want you to listen and tune into it is because now I want you to sit with yourself and think, okay, what do I give all day? Like maybe you go to a nine to five where you're in an office setting and you're interacting actively with people and then you come home and you're a single mom and you have a kid and, you know, you've got like a co-parenting situation, which is like sometimes okay, but not that great and frustrating. And then you've got, you know, maybe you've got financial struggles or you got all these things happening in your life. You got to factor all of this into like, what do I need to do for me to set myself up for success every day? Now, I know you could like go to any like inspirational, fluffy Instagram account and like find people talking about like set yourself up for success. It's not just sitting down and reading a book. Like I'll tell you what, 90% of people that are like, they brag about all the books they read. Oh, I've read self-help books. I've read personal. Don't implement shit. 
they think because they read it and they're talking about it, they've implemented it. They don't. And I can tell you that firsthand because I listen to it every day when I do the work that I do. I don't really actively read these days. Like when I am in a place where I want to read and it really inspires me or speaks to me, I'll pick up the book. Like I'm not a not reader, non-reader. I am a reader. I'm just not like an active reader. I read when the mood hits me and, and the words resonate with me. The work that I do and the shit that I learn is through firsthand experience of living through it and paying attention to what I need to adjust and and make sure that I am supported in my life. And so by re-listening to that piece back, what I want you to do is sit down and ask yourself, what am I not giving to myself before my day starts that is setting me myself up for self-doubt? for a lack of confidence, for a lack of energy, for a lack of enthusiasm or presence in my relationships or with my child or with my friends or with my partner? How can I create a space with myself every day? What will that look like? Because mind you, once more, I'm going to emphasize this. There is no right way to do a morning routine. I don't fucking care if your morning routine is like, Amy, I roll out of bed and I do a fucking cartwheel across my floor and then I stand in the shower and I don't even wash my body. I just stand there and let the water beat on my crown chakra for 45 minutes and then I go and I chug my cup of coffee and I have a bowl of Fruit Loops and I watch the morning news and then I get into my day. Now this is from years of experience and trial and error. There is no right way. I will say this, though. It's all perspe- it's all perception, okay? For me, yoga makes sense to me. It helps me regulate my nervous system. It's restorative for my body, okay? Meditating makes sense to me because I am able to create a space between my thoughts and my feelings and my fears and all of that and the reactions that I instinctually want to have. In creating that space, then I can sit down with my journal and write out everything I'm thinking and feeling and come up with actual steps that I can implement to change my behaviors and my thought processes. That makes sense to me, okay? This mind-body, you know, experience works that way for me. But that might not work for you. And I've learned this throughout the years that like, You know, it's very easy to kind of blanket a program or market it in a way where it's like, I've got your five steps to success, pay me all your money and I'll give it to you and you'll succeed. But the truth is, is that we all filter shit differently and resonate with stuff differently and the things that calm me down and connect with me may not calm you down and connect with you. So I will give you a generalized outline here. It's got to connect with your body. It's got to connect with your mind and it's it's got to align with your emotions and your energy. So in other words, find things to do every morning that allow you to feel in tune with your body. Okay? Feel connected to your body. What that actually means is like like you ever wake up and you're just like I always get this weird back pain in like my right shoulder blade area and basically it's because my right glute, like my right ass cheek is super tight. It's much tighter than the left ass cheek. I don't know why the right cheek is kind of like, bitch, I hate you. But 
she's like, bitch, I hate you. And so it pulls, especially if I sit for a long period of time, it pulls up my back to my shoulder blade area. And then it, that also pulls up and down from the back of my neck, like jaw area, because I clench my jaw at night. Got it? See how in tune I am with myself? You're welcome. Okay. So I'll wake up sometimes, I think I've slept fine, and I've got this weird gnawing pain in my shoulder blade area, and I'm just like uncomfortable. Well, when I sit down and I do yoga, I'm able to like sit with that pain, breathe into that pain, feel that pain without like, I won't say I don't fidget, I definitely fidget because I do restorative yoga, I do yin yoga, so like you're holding poses for two minutes versus like, like a minute or less. And that means you're going to get deeper into your tissues, which for me is really healing and really good. But if I don't do that yoga, okay, like yoga allows me to breathe into it, pinpoint it and like stretch it out slowly and know it's there and know what to do to heal it. Right. But if I were to skip the yoga and just sit down and try to meditate and I sit on the ground cross-legged to do that, it's going to pull and I'm going to fidget, and I'm going to be uncomfortable, and I'm not going to be focused, and I'm not going to be breathing, right? I'm going to be distracted. Now take that understanding into your life, right? If you just get up, you roll out of bed, your phone goes off, and you're immediately into the emails, into the phone calls, into the whatever, even into like your child before you're into yourself. This is important. Moms, dads, listening. If you're straight into that, you're not present with you. If you're not present with you, that impacts your relationship to your child and how you behave with them. You're going to lose your patience quicker. You're not going to be tuned in to their needs. You're not going to be able to communicate with them the way you truly would want to looking back 10 years, 20 years from now. You're not going to be present in your work. You're not going to be present in your body. You're not going to feel safe. You're not going to really be grounded and enjoying life to the capacity you could. And if this is a priority and this is a value to you and this is as important to you as it is to me, then taking the time every day to do something that allows you to feel your body, identify the pain, address the pain, however that is, breath work, stretching, the gym, the sauna, the infrared sauna, a lot of people do that these days, hot yoga, yin yoga, whatever fucking yoga you want to do, laying in the grass, staring at the sun and eating it. I don't know. Some people do that too. Whatever it is, maybe it's just laying on the ground in that like final yoga position with your legs out and your hands down and where you want to like fall asleep, but you don't fall asleep because it's like not the time to fall asleep, but they kind of like want you to fall asleep. I don't know. It's some fucking yoga trickery they do, but you get my point. Maybe that's how you get in tune with your body because the pain in your body is also indicating this is taking a left turn, but we're going to go there. Pain in your body is indicating a stressor going on in your life, mental or emotional, right? Your body follows the mental and emotional. So your posture is going to follow what's going on mentally and emotionally for you. Like I've talked about this or mentioned it or maybe alluded to it in past episodes, but like it's one of my favorite, favorite games. (laughs) So look at people on the street and see them hunched over, like shoulders rolled in, head down, okay? Like protecting that chest area, right? Like their chest is collapsed. 
that's your heart chakra. Okay. That's your heart chakra. And like when you feel safe in your body and you feel loved by you, you're not needing to protect your heart chakra, right? There's other ones. When your head is like pushed forward, you know, kind of like out like a, I don't know, what's the animal? Like a duck or something. Like your chin is pushed way forward, okay? And your body and your 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 spine is not in alignment with the rest of your body because your head is like pushing forward. You're leading. You're leading with your head, okay? Now, when you hear people talk about put your shoulders back in your and, and open your chest, lead with your heart. It's because when you lead with your head, you know, overthink things, you're going to be reacting to things that maybe are disconnected from your heart chakra. And mind you, if your head is not in alignment with the rest of your body, you are disconnected from the rest of your body. So you're just all up in your head, which probably a lot of you then suffer from headaches or migraines or insomnia, or I could go on and on, but that's not really what this episode is about. My point is, is that like, not taking care of yourself in terms of meeting your needs every day. Your needs are going to be different than my needs. These are not necessarily basic needs like food and water and sleep and whatever, roof over our heads. This is your mental, emotional, physical needs every day. Okay? If you're not meeting them regularly, then it's going to lead to outbursts. It's going to lead to arguments that like your partner or your friends or your family just don't quite understand. They don't know why you're, com- you're coming at them sideways or saying the shit you're saying. It's kind of like when somebody gets to the point where they're hangry, right? They act, they, they, don't, they don't act the same way they would act when they've eaten and they're well-nourished because you get depleted. Or like when someone's really tired and they're, they're so exhausted They don't act the same way they would act when they're well-rested because your body starts to have to overcompensate in ways where if you were taking care of yourself properly every day, minding your own P's and Q's, so to speak, then like that's going to support not only just your own mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being, but that's going to clean up a lot of the BS arguments that you have with other people or your partner, or your child, all the little irritants that you're kind of like, this just gets under my skin, it gets under my skin. Well, why are you being so nitpicky? You're probably nitpicky and hypersensitive to that level because you're not taking care of yourself. Let's just go back to like, I skipped yoga one day on the weekend. Again, you hear that and you're probably like, I shouldn't have to do yoga every day. Well, you don't have to do yoga every day. Meet your own needs. Mine is I need it every day. I do. I'm not right if I'm not. Like, I literally had to excuse myself from what I was doing, go to the bathroom, and do some yoga poses in the bathroom just to get myself to a place. Now, you could be like, well, Amy, that's all mental. Yes, but the mental affects the emotional, and that both affects the physical. And so, quite frankly, I wasn't willing to risk it. And I don't doubt myself. So I'm not going to go through the rest of my day having arguments or crying at the drop of a hat because I didn't take care of myself properly that day. You know, the immediate emotion I was feeling in every conversation the day I skipped yoga was I felt left out. I felt like I wasn't being considered. Why do you think? Who left who out? I'll wait. Who left who out? Who forgot who? 
Well, Amy forgot Amy and Amy made a ton of excuses. But if Amy's goal is to feel really good and have healthy interactions, like more so than she ever has in the past within her interpersonal relationships, then Amy has to hold Amy to a new standard. And Amy has to meet those standards and meet those needs consistently. Or yeah, I'm easily going to feel abandoned. I'm easily going to feel a lack of confidence. I'm easily going to get sensitive to the degree that like, I'm feeling very, very much left out or like I'm not being considered when that's not really what's happening in front of me. That's how I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it that way because the mental, emotional and everything connects. You get my point. So I'm going to wrap up this episode now. If you are somebody who finds yourself day in and day out being impatient, getting easily bothered, irritated, offended by certain things people say or do. I'm not telling you to neglect boundaries. So don't take this to an extreme because your boundaries are important. If somebody's offending you or disrespecting you, you have to speak up for yourself. But somewhere I need you to also consider and look at is how are you tending to your own needs regularly and taking care of you? And first, identifying what those needs are. Whenever I post that on Instagram, people are like, But how? Like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm literally like, I don't understand how you don't understand what identifying your needs are. Like, sit down with yourself and look at your day. Like, just take a moment and reflect on what you do all day. And what happens to you if you don't do X, Y, and Z? What happens to you if you go to bed and you didn't shower that day and you wake up the next day? How does that make you feel? Just start to slow down and get a little more like tuned in to yourself and your reactions to things. This is how you begin to identify your needs. If every time I'm standing in front of Joe Schmo and Joe Schmo is nothing but kind and respectful to me, but all I feel is offended or like he doesn't like me, then and, and everybody else in the room is looking at our interaction and can identify, no, he's nothing but kind and, and nice to you. And we're not sure how you're filtering this. I'm going to, if I trust their judgment on something, sit down with myself and ask myself, what is it that I'm perceiving about him? What is the trigger for me? What is bringing about, do I elevate Joe Schmo? to a level where I I devalue myself and so I I've placed myself in a position in his presence that's making me uncomfortable again if I can identify that and other people that I trust and love can identify nothing they're saying or doing is hurtful or disrespectful to me what is it in me that's going on because this is another piece to consider that is very hard to talk about on Instagram without so much context that I'm putting into this episode is you'll get the hyper reactive individuals going, you're telling me to endure abuse? No, I am not. No, I am not. Never, never, never. As an abuse survivor, I would never tell you to endure abuse, but I do have to encourage accountability. And I'm not victim blaming because I am a victim myself. I'm a survivor. I don't associate with victim. I am a survivor. But I'm going to say that as a survivor, we have triggers. And so 
It's very easy. Like I was around my boyfriend and his family over the weekend, all of which love me and care about me and support me and respect me. But I'm filtering things as if I'm not being considered in conversations where I am visibly being considered. And I'm doing so because I didn't stop to consider me that day. I neglected me on what might be deemed a very minuscule level, but it impacted me so much that I was crying at the drop of a hat to my boyfriend saying that I didn't feel like I was being included when he was literally in the middle of a conversation of including me. That is what happens to us abuse and trauma survivors. So speaking directly to that context, I encourage you to look at yourself what activates your own insecurity is what activates your need to feel in control what activates your need to be super fucking nitpicky about minuscule nonsense in your day that is as i like to put on instagram a minor grievance that is not anything you should even invest your time and energy into getting worked up about especially within relationships or friendships or any type of healthy, supportive relationship. Like, you learn that people are different and you learn how they function and you learn how you function. And an underlying thing that you want always is support and respect and consistency and, like, a listening ear and validation and all of that. But at the end of the day, like, on, on behalf of myself, like, my boyfriend functions very differently than I do. And I function very differently than he does. And we have to learn each other and then work, work together as a team. And that is what you do in your friendships too. My best friend and I are very different and very similar, all in the same. And therefore, I learn how she functions. I learn that, you know, she hates conflict. And she would rather just like go silent and disappear than address it. That's not a, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. That's a, okay, like, she, she's not doing X, Y, and Z to harm me. This is, like, she's fearful of something. So, and I'm somebody who needs to communicate. So instead, I just go to her when she's settled and calm in their space. And I say, let's talk about this because I'm not comfortable with an elephant in the room. And I, don't, I want you to feel safe feeling like you could communicate with me. You work together. And when you have two people that are able to hold themselves accountable and look at their own shit and deal with it and come together and be able to talk about it, you can't do that if you can't identify what's going on inside of you. I'll leave you with that, okay? So something to reflect on. I'll see you next week. Take care. And listen, if you have not taken a moment yet and you're listening on Spotify or Apple and you're enjoying these, I love your DMs on Instagram telling me how much you love my podcast, how much it's helped you. If you're listening on one of those platforms, um, Spotify doesn't let you write a review, but you can rate me over there. Apple does let you write a a review. You just scroll down and click write a review. You can select five stars and leave your little blurbs about how much it has helped you there. That helps me. It helps the podcast reach more people and keeps it going for you and and for the world. For the world. For world peace. Okay. Well, till next week, let's hope there's no more manhunts. I'll talk to you soon.